Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. No, it is good to be with you this morning. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here and just want to say welcome everybody online as well as those of you watching in our Crookston campus. Trust that your uh, technology is working a little bit better than ours is here in Grand Forks, but it's so good to, to have you. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been in a, a Christmas series since, what, Christmas Eve is like one week away. Isn't that pretty wild? That's wild to think about, how time flies. But we've been in a Christmas series, uh, Modern Day Manger, and just Pastors Nathan and Mary have done a great job of, you know, our modern life can be so hectic and chaotic, and it's so good to look back on a, just a simpler time in life, but also B, just the simplicity of that, of that Christmas moment around the manger, just the quietness, the simplicity, the lowliness, you know, stripped from a lot of our modern conveniences and things. And just to remember the, just that moment, it wasn't full of fanfare, it wasn't full of royalty or anything fancy, but really it was the power of God at work. And so it's just been a great series. I've been blessed by it. And today we're going to continue with that. And we're going to talk today about patient endurance. That must be what it feels like when a teacher says there's a pop quiz. <laughs> patient endurance. It's not maybe the topic that is the most fun because no one likes to wait, right? No one likes waiting. I don't like waiting. I'm sure you don't like waiting. Our culture really doesn't like waiting. We've done everything we can possible to eliminate the waiting. Everything from making faster cars to eliminate the waiting of travel, to uh, creating things like the fast lane at like amusement parks. You can pay extra money to not wait and go through that. Uh, YouTube videos and other videos, you can watch a video on twice the speed. That's a pretty interesting invention. <laughs> I know I've, I've done that a couple times. <laughs> We've made things like microwaves to, to eliminate the waiting time for cooking which is hilarious. I, just, I really get a kick out of this. Have you ever come up to a microwave and you use it and there's one second left? You ever seen that? That means someone made something in the microwave but opened the door with one second left. We can't even wait for microwaves <laughs> to get done. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things in our life that require waiting. It almost appears pretty much in everyone's life more often than we'd like. But patient endurance is an important thing. As I think about waiting... I thought of a story in my, when I was in, in high school. So I grew up in South Dakota, and a little slice of South Dakota, one of the most probably famous things that happened, at least in that slice of, of our little world, was there's the high school basketball playoffs, and there's a semifinal game. And if you win this game, you get to go on to the, the state tournament. And of course, my team was long done by that time. But there's two teams that are going up against each other. And I don't know about you, but are there any sports watchers, like if you go to a sports game, is anybody like, we're going to leave in the fourth quarter to beat the traffic? Is that kind of anybody's like mantra go-to? Yeah, that's, that's kind of my family's mantra. So we would maybe leave with two minutes left to go in a game just to beat the traffic and get out. And we got out before the traffic. We felt really good about ourselves. Uh, but in this situation, unfortunately, I wasn't there. I had the opportunity to go to this game, which I really wish I would have availed myself of it, but didn't go. But the game came down to the wire. And it was, there was one second left, literally one second left on the game. The winner goes to the state tournament, and the, the, the team name was the Clark, Clark Comets. They were up by three, three points, and they were shooting a free throw. So they were up by three. 
They had the ball to shoot one more free throw. It looks like the game was iced. And they're going against the Millbank Bulldogs. And so he was setting up to the line, shooting the free throw. And it just looks like all one second left, you know, what could be done? And he shoots it and he, he misses the free throw. So it, it doinks off. But the other team's player catches it with one hand and chucks it down the entire length of the basketball court with one second. And it goes in. And it goes in. Can you imagine if you were the per- kind of person who was like, this game's over, I'm going to beat the traffic. <laughs> and you had one second to wait while they tied it up, go into double overtime, and they, the Millbank Bulldogs end up winning the game, going on to the state tournament and winning the state championship. How awesome is that? So a little, a little slice of my South Dakota life, Justin Peters was his name. It was even on ESPN. It was like top play of the week or whatever, and South Dakota made ESPN for maybe the third time in its history. <laughs> but one second, you know, if you just waited for that last little bit, patient endurance comes into a lot of areas of our life. In fact, I would say that without patient endurance, we're not able to see any of God's purposes fulfilled in our life. It's really the quality that is required to see anything that God is doing in your life come to fulfillment. Patient endurance, not till one second is left, but until it's done. Patient endurance. Check out this verse in James chapter one. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's counterintuitive. For you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. And let steadfastness, which is like patient endurance, have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete Lacking in nothing. So it's saying if you have this one quality, if you have patient endurance fully formed in your life, the full effect of that will be you're perfect and complete and you don't lack anything. This one thing, patient endurance, and the fullness of that means God can do whatever he wants to do in your life and you won't be lacking anything. So that's what we're going to look at today. So if you have access to God's word, we'd love for you to pull it out, turn it on. And we're actually going to be in the book of James. So if you open to the book of James, a New Testament book, kind of towards the end, right after Hebrews. And we're going to be in James chapter 5. So what I'd like to do this morning is to unpack this idea of patient endurance. And then I'm going to, we're going to see how it applies to the, the manger. We're going to see how that applies to the Christmas story. But first, we're going to unpack the concept and the idea of patient endurance. So James chapter 5. And we're looking at verses 7 and 8. And it won't be any screen this morning. James 5, 7 and 8. It says this. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And so obviously this is a call for patience and patient endurance in our life. But I love the analogy. So he points to, so be patient like the farmer's patient. And how is the farmer patient? The farmer's patient because they plant a seed, and there's two important things that happen for that seed. Things called the early rains and the late rains. And so the early rain 
is the critical, most crucial time in that seed's life where after it's planted, there's a downpour of rain. And what that rain does, it establishes the seed. It establishes it in the ground and so that it has a future growth. When without the early rain, that seed is not looking good. So a very critical time for that seed. And then there's other rains dispersed throughout the seed's life, but another crucial time is right before the harvest, and that's called the late rain. The, the plant might be looking good, established, the stalk might be there, but until the seed gets that crucial late rain, that full-formed harvest won't come. And so he's saying the farmer is patient to wait for that late rain. And I was talking with a farmer this week, because I'm not a farmer, so don't take my word for it. But I was talking with Jordan, a worship leader, who is a farmer as well. And, and you know, in this context, was a Palestinian context and climate. And so I was researching it, and that's kind of how their, their climate cycle was in, in Israel there, in Palestine. But I said, is that, is that true for us here in the Red River Valley in North Dakota, Minnesota? And he's like, absolutely. So even farmers and agricultural uh, people here are still abided by the same agricultural principles. A seed goes in the ground, but it needs the early rain to establish it. And then there's a period of growth, and then right before harvest, it looks good, the plant is good, but the full-formed yield hasn't come, and it needs that critical late rain. And those times are the exciting times, right? And if we apply it to our Christian life, the early rains is kind of like when God gets something going in your life. Maybe you just give your life to the Lord or you just answer a call of some sort, but you plant a seed in faith. You take a step of faith and say, God, I think you're calling me to this. I think you wanted me to change this in my life. And so you take a step of faith and you plant the seed and then God brings the early rain to establish it. It's like the favor of God, the blessing of God, the power of God. God sets up all these supernatural things, open doors and all sorts of stuff to establish that seed in your life. That's the exciting time. That's where God feels close and exciting and wow. And then there's a late rain right before the harvest, right before the completion of whatever God started in your life. There's a late rain, very similar. The favor of God is poured out. The power of God is poured out. Things are aligning. Doors are opening. Things are coming into alignment to really bring that into harvest, into completion. But I'm not actually here to talk about the early or the late rains, even though that's, that's what we live for. Those are the exciting times. That's when things are happening. But there's a middle stretch in between the early rain and the late rain. And that's what the pastor is saying. Be patient in that stretch. And that stretch is what I'm calling the, the mundane middle. You got the early rain, the late rain, but then you got the mundane middle. Well, there's just not a lot going on. Not a lot going on. And that is when patient endurance is most needed. Because any future that that seed has, any future of the purposes of God in your life, is really going to hang in the balance with what you do with that middle time. The mundane middle. It's mundane because there's not a lot going on. It's, there's not a lot to do. There's not a lot of progress being made, at least what you can detect, and yet what God is doing that time is crucial and critical for the advancement of, of that, that seed. And so the big picture, what this passage is talking about, you can see it, is really the coming of the Lord. And so we're in this big picture uh, time frame 
to where the first coming of Jesus when he came as a baby is like the early rain. Jesus came. It was, a, it was the beginning of something that God was doing, a redemptive age for us of humanity. And the first coming is like that early rain. And it's saying, in the big picture, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So the second coming of Jesus, when he comes back to establish his reign in totality of the earth, that's like the late reign in the big picture sense, where that will be completed. What Jesus started will be completed in the earth. And so right now, we're living in this church age that's kind of like the mundane middle in the big scope of things. Not that God isn't at work, isn't doing things, but comparatively to the bookends of what's going to happen, you know, this is relatively the mundane middle. But this passage has application not just for the, the big scope, but actually has also application for your individual life and mine. Because the principle is God doesn't always work in segmented increments. He doesn't always work, you know, evenly or fairly throughout your life. There isn't like every, every year he does something big, rhythmic like that. But in your life, it follows a similar pattern of an early rain, which God establishes something in your life, a trajectory. And then there's a longer mundane middle. And then toward the end of fulfilling that, there's a late rain. So the big picture is how God works, but that's also how he works in your life and in my life. And the reason I, I think we can take it to a personal application is the next couple of verses. So we'll skip verse 9, but in verse 10, James takes us from the big picture even to the personal level. Verse 10, James 5 says this. As an example of what he's talking about, as an example of this, of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So each of the prophets take their own life. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. And here's the kicker. Here's what I really want to focus in on today. And it also says, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So when James is talking about this idea of patient endurance, he actually pin pinpoints one specific guy. He says, and you saw how this worked in Job's life. And how he was patient, how he was steadfast. And because he was steadfast, he saw, the wording is, the purposes of the Lord. So again, you can't see the purposes of the Lord develop in your life without this thing called steadfastness or patient endurance. And so maybe you're unfamiliar with the book of Job. It's a bigger book in the Old Testament. I think it's before the Psalms. And so basically this, this guy was highly favored by the Lord and God prospered him. He prospered him financially uh, with cattle and sheep, and, and he had a bunch of kids, and he prospered him more than anybody else in the whole land at that time because he was blameless before God. He was a God-fear, and so God prospered him. Well, as it turns out, Satan came before God in heaven, and this was before Jesus came to throw him out, but he came before God in heaven, and he said, you know what, I think Job's worshiped you just because you've done good to him. How about I strip everything away from him, and then we'll see where his worship is. And God says, okay. And so halfway through the first chapter of this book, Job's early reigns end, <laughs> and his struggles begin as Satan throws everything he can at this man. And it's awful. It's the kind of stuff that even in our modern day, you read about it and be like, whoa, that's hard. <laughs> that's intense. But halfway through the first chapter, 
the mundane middle begins for Job. And the book of Job is actually kind of a long book, 42 chapters to be exact. And if you faithfully read through Job, looking to see the purposes of the Lord, like James says, let's say if you read through 41 and a half chapters of Job, guess what? You wouldn't see it. You wouldn't find it. You know what? There's actually 1,070 verses in Job. 1,070 verses. And guess what? If you read 1,062 of those verses, you wouldn't find the purposes of God. That's 99.2% of the verses. So get this. If you read 99% of this book, you would miss the purposes that James said God had for Job. I mean, in any other sphere, 99% is a passing grade. You did a good job, 99%. But if you left eight verses out, you'd have missed the whole thing. If you left the game with one second left, you'd have missed it. Because with eight verses left, the Bible talks about how, Job, how God turned Job's life around. And everything that had happened to Job, he removed. And actually, the late reigns of Job's life, the Bible says, were double what his early reigns were. Now, doesn't, this isn't a sermon about the theological implications of Job. That's a different time. But James is saying there was a purpose for Job's life that God had, and his purposes were compassionate and merciful. And if we leave 1% out of the story, we miss it. That's patient endurance. That's holding on through the mundane middle until you see the late reigns of God's favor, of God's purposes coming into fulfillment. And so I think the question for us is, what do we do during the mundane middle? I think the beginning and the end of, of the bookmarks is, is pretty easy. God's working. You kind of know what to do. You just go with the flow of what God is doing. But what do we do during the mundane middle? Well, I think the book of Job also has some helpful application for us. So I'll tell you what, the 41 and a half chapters, it's not pretty. Job doesn't look put together. It's messy. It's complicated. It's heart-wrenching, really. And so what does the mundane middle look like for you and me? It doesn't have to look clean. It doesn't have to look put together. It doesn't have to look polished. It can look messy. There's a lot of things going on. It doesn't have to look perfect, but there's one crucial thing that Job did that I think is encouraging for me and for us. He didn't curse God. He didn't give it up. Because what was the evil one's agenda in the whole thing was, I bet I can make this guy curse God if I take away all of his stuff. And you know what? Job didn't do it. He didn't curse God. He may have dropped the ball in so many other areas. He definitely questioned the Lord. He had his doubts. There's even parts where he said, you know, let, let someone judge between God and I. I mean, that's, that's not something you look back proudly on. But he didn't curse God. He didn't give that up. And even when his wife said, you know what, Job, just curse God and die. <laughs> Everybody in his life, this whole thing was pointed toward that and I think the mundane middle is less about what you're doing 
to, to move it forward and more about what you're doing to keep the evil one out. Because as I was talking with Jordan, that's kind of a farmer's mentality. During that middle time in the seed, you, know, you can do things to fertilize that plant and to help it to grow, but really the main focus is to keeping out the evil stuff, keeping out the pests and the insects and the bugs, keeping out the disease and trying to guard what has already been planted. It's less about an offensive approach of what are we going to do and move it forward. It's more about defense. How are we going to protect what God started? And what God started in Job's life was a worshipful heart to say, God is Lord and he is good. And the book of Job says he didn't let that go. He didn't curse God. He didn't, he didn't find accusation with God. He didn't just resign himself to cursing God and die. So he protected that, even though the rest of it looked messy. And so I think for you and me, I'm sure there's a lot in our life that we can point to that's in the mundane middle. And I think that's the time when the evil one wants to come and just snatch that up. And how does he do that? With things like sexual temptation. That's a big thing. It really is during the mundane parts of life. The sexual temptation can come and try to steal what God has started in your heart. Another thing is that, that discouragement and that bitterness at just how, where your life has gotten and the things that have happened. And, you know, we can let that discouragement kind of have a home in our hearts. We can kind of give it residency or that bitterness or just that jaded cynicalness Rather than saying, you know, this is trying to eat something that God started in me. And I don't know what's coming, but for me to maintain a degree of hope is going to work a lot better for me in the long run than, than entertain this discouragement. Because that's really eating at something in us. Another thing really practically is, I thought of, is financial debt. You know, we can kind of lose self-control in our spending during the mundane middle times and incur a bunch of financial debt that then is actually hindering us from what God wants us to do and fulfilling some of the things he started in our life. Just general distractions that the evil one can bring in. The point is it's less about offense and more about defense. How can we keep our hearts guarded and pure and preserved and our life ready for God or when he brings the late rain and brings things into fulfillment so that we're ready for it. So now the moment you've all been waiting for, how does this apply to the Christmas story? <laughs> well, what I see in the manger is really a representation of the mundane middle for Mary and Joseph. Because you think about how God got this whole thing started. I mean, there was an angelic visitation for Mary to say what's going to happen. And then, I mean, an immaculate conception is, is you know, pretty crazy. <laughs> and then for Joseph, there was another angelic vision, you know, of dreams while he was in bed. And God was just organizing all these things. There was miracles. There was angelic stuff going on. There was, you know, divine appointments that God set up with Mary's uh, aunt Elizabeth. I think it's her aunt, a cousin, or some relation. And, you know, the baby leapt in her womb just to confirm that. And God, you know, for his birth, the shepherds were out there and they came and they're like, man, we got angels telling us something's going on in here. And you just think about that. For Mary and Joseph, like, this is the early reigns. This is crazy. God's doing all this stuff. And then when they laid the baby in the manger, in my mind, it's like, now, 
Now life begins. Because you need a manger for a baby. You don't need a manger for a teenager, you know, or a 25-year-old. And I just think for Mary and Joseph, you know, at 3 a.m. when Jesus is getting them up, he's like, where are the angels now? This is when I need an angel. Jesus won't go to sleep, and I'm stressing out. You know, there were some wise men that came and gave them gifts. It was another refreshing, encouragement time for them. But really, that started a series of events where there was then a manhunt by the king for Jesus' life. And I don't know if you've ever been a fugitive. I never have. But that sounds pretty awful. Which meant they had to leave their home place to go to Egypt for a time. And then when they came back, they wanted to resettle where they knew. But the guy that took Herod's place was just as bad, if not worse, as him. And so the angel said, go live somewhere else because Jesus is still not safe. And so you have this whole time where Mary and Joseph are just tending to God's promises. And it takes a long time to raise a kid. I mean, my oldest is almost 10. And that's not very long into the process. But it takes a long time to raise a kid. And maybe we check in with Mary and Joseph when Jesus is 29 years old. You know, how's the Messiah doing today? I don't know. He's... I don't know, making tables and stuff. I don't know what he's, you know, we haven't seen much come to pass yet. And some people think that Joseph might have even died during that period. We don't hear much about Joseph in his life. Maybe he left Mary, maybe he died or something. But can you imagine that? And so there's a long period, I think, even in Mary and Joseph's life where they were saying, "What, what is going on? It started with such fanfare. It started with such excitement. It started with such burden and conviction You know, for Joseph, I'm going to stay with this woman because God told me that it's of him and she hasn't been sleeping around. But, you know, eight years into the process, you know, what's what's this God child done for humanity yet? But, of course, the late rains came. And when Jesus was 30, God started him in that ministry. And in three short years, he accomplished everything he came to accomplish on earth. And it was over. Three short years. The early rains... Mary and Joseph's life, and the late reigns of God's fulfillment of what he had started. You know, there's a verse in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, the day of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, I think that's, that's what we hope for. That's what we're looking for, is what God starts, he brings to fulfillment and to completion in our life. And what the manger represents What the modern-day manger, what your modern-day manger represents is whatever you need to do to steward God's purposes in your life in the mundane middles. If God gives you a baby, you better find a manger to put them in. And it's going to take a long time for that to grow. But if we're faithful and patient, we will see all of God's purposes come to pass in our life. I believe that. And so this time I'd like the band to come, to come up here in Grand Forks and Crookston as well. You guys can, the band could come up for you as well. And as I was thinking over my life, you can see this play out. Maybe for some of you, God is just beginning something. There are some areas of your life where the early rains are happening. God is beginning something new and that's exciting and that's awesome. Maybe other areas of your life, God is bringing something to fulfillment to completion, and that's another exciting time where you're seeing God's purposes bring to completion. But I would guess for a lot of us, a lot more things are in that middle time. 
And as I thought over my life, you know, we could apply this to a lot of different areas of life, you know, your job, your relationships, your family, all sorts of stuff. But I was thinking about it in relation to my call to ministry. You know, I was in, I was in college, it was 2010, when I, I really sensed that I wanted to give my life to this ministry. And it happened because God did some crazy stuff at the beginning of that journey. And in, in five, four or five months, I preached my first five or six sermons. Never preached before, but in, that, in like a couple month window, God just opened up some doors, deposited some grace, and I preached like five or six sermons in that window. And God started something. He established a direction for my life. But you know what? The next six years, I probably preached another four sermons in six years. And that was really my burden for being in ministry, is just to know God's word and to, and to declare it and minister it. And, and it was a long stretch. And I thought, what is, what is going on here? You know, what, what's the direction here? But after that time was completed, then the Lord launched me into pastoral ministry. And now, by God's grace, I get the, the joy of, of preaching somewhat regularly. It's now a routine part of, of my life. And so what I knew God began, there was an establishing season and then a long time of God developing things that needed to be developed, and it felt very mundane. But then there was a late rain, a, a fulfillment of what he had started. And for my life personally, it just meant a pastoral ministry that involved heralding the word. And, and I just want to encourage you that God is doing the same thing in your life. God's doing the same thing in everything he started. He has a similar process and a protocol, and he will bring it to fulfillment. For us here, for you watching online, for you guys in Crookston, God's faithful. He has a good game plan. He likes to stick to it. So we can part ways with Crookston at this time. Crookston, Pastor Joel will kind of finish the, the service for you guys. But, but I wanted us just this morning to just to respond. I think it's so good to respond. I think it's so good when God is stirring your heart to, to take a step, no matter how small it is, but to respond, to acknowledge what God is doing. And so why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes before we head back into this closing worship song. And I bet there's those of you out there that, if you're like me, there's some struggles. There's some struggles in believing that God is still cares about you. God is still caring about what he started and what he's doing in your life. And if you feel this morning that you want to just double down on this thing called patient endurance. If you want to double down on what the Bible says, if you have this, you'll be complete and you'll lack nothing. And say, you know what, God, I want to renew and, and just affirm that you're still in it. And I'm not going to give my heart over to the evil one. I'm not going to let these pests and these bugs, these insects just eat away at my heart. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to protect what you have started because I believe there's something in it in the future. And if you just want to reaffirm that, to yourself maybe, and to God, I just invite you just to raise your hand. Just as a gesture of saying, God, I am declaring this morning that you're still in it. You're still in it. And I'm, I'm gonna commit to this. Just keep your hands up. I see five, 10, 15, 20, maybe 30 hands in Jesus' name that the Lord will bless you and give you a spirit of endurance, a spirit of steadfastness, a, a robust, strengthened spirit to say, I don't know maybe how to move this forward, but I am not going to let the devil, I'm not going to let the evil one chew away at what God has given me. I will not. 
In Jesus' name. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And I was thinking about some maybe other people with us that, you know, it's pretty hard to wait for something that's really slow to grow, but it's even worse to wait for nothing to grow. And maybe you're in this place and you say, you know what, I don't think I've ever started anything with God. I don't think I've ever let Jesus begin something in my life. I don't think I've ever taken that step of letting him, welcome him into my life and say, you know, you're Lord, you lead this life, not me. I want you to lead this, Lord. And if you're in this place, life can be hard, but it's a lot easier knowing something's growing. And if you don't have Jesus in your life, I'm gonna tell you nothing's growing. You're waiting on nothing. But if you this morning wanna say, I want Jesus to plant something in my life and I wanna give my life to him, just with every head bowed, every eyes closed, why don't you raise your hand? That's me. I wanna start something new with Jesus this morning. Amen, I see some hands. Amen, I see some hands. Let me just pray over you. Just keep your hands in the air. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the people that are acknowledging, God, that there's, it's not a mundane middle, it's a barren emptiness. And Lord, for these people, I just pray your spirit just to water the seeds that they're hearing today of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. You'd water these seeds, Lord. Bring about a renewal of humility, just a, just a repentance. Say, God, I've been doing this my whole, I've been doing this wrong my whole life. That you would receive them, Lord, and begin something new in their life through a relationship with Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to move into the closing song, but I just invite you, if you raised your hand, if you really wanted to, man, just let us know on this card. On the, I decided I decide to give my life to Jesus, or I decided to commit to whatever. Put in the offering box, and we just love to connect with you, love to pray over you and to keep pouring into that. But let me pray just for all of us again, and we'll go into this closing song. Father, I praise you, God. I just lift up your name, oh God. You sit in a, in a seat that is so much higher than us, God. Just like the farmer knows more about a seed than the seed does, God, you know more about us and what our lives are like than we do. So Father, we just give you the praise. We say, you're holy, God. You're holy. You're right. You're good. And God, we will not curse you in our hearts. We will not just give up, give up the ground that you have won in our lives, but we will persevere to the end and see your purposes in our life. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.